Today, though, is the final week. All right, we're in the third week of our series called Don't Stop Breathing. And we've been talking about how we get so exhausted. And we've been maybe not talking about as much about the symptoms of exhaustion, but trying to get behind the scenes of what's really going on. In week one, I was talking with you about, like, we control so much and we carry so much. And it's so easy for us to just get exhausted in life because we carry so many things that Jesus says, hey, I've come to come alongside you to help journey through life. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be the ultimate controller. You can hand some things to me. And so we talked about how in week one, so many people are controlling and they're, they're just, they're, they're exhausting themselves. Last week, Pastor Rusty did a great job talking about how we get ahead of God and how that is such a great challenge in our life that we get so much exhaustion because we're not taking time to, to like hear and encounter God and direction in our life. So we get out ahead of him so many times. And then today I want to talk to you about something that you may not be aware of. It's how fear is exhausting humanity today. Now, I know some of you here would say, well, I don't have any fear issues. Let's, let's just take a closer look at it. I know this, that I have a spiritual adversary, and uh, his job seemingly every day is to attack, it's to come at me, it's to throw daggers, it's to cause me to get off my game, it's to take me down. And and I know what that's like, and, and I know he's about that business every day in your life as well. You think about it when you grow up, when you're young. You know, when you're you're a child, you have dreams. I'm going to be this when I grow up, and I'm going to do this. Maybe at a young age, you feel like God has revealed something to you about your life. And then it seems like, for many of us, there's this slow chipping away. Chipping away of the dream, the vision, the goal, whatever it is. It just keeps coming at you. Life keeps coming at you. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in your adult years nowhere near the things that you thought and dreamed of when you grew up. The dreams seem... Loss. Just no mistake how that happens. Our adversary wants that. He wants to slowly chip away at you in your life. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that his job is to steal. He, he, he is the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's taken us down. One of the ways he takes us down is through the trauma of life, through the brokenness of life, to cause us to sink back. You know, we once felt very bold about what we were going to do in life. Now we're going to sink back, and we're going to not be the maybe what we thought we were going to be. We're going to sink back into fear, and oh my goodness, if I take another step out, what will happen? If I take this direction in my life, you know, I don't know how bad it'll go, and so I better just kind of stay right here. This is the story of the community I lead a church in. There's so many people that once had these dreams, but now they've, they've just backed off. And the enemy loves when you, and I, when you and I back off. I put in your notes. In fact, the source of fear that we're going to talk about today is brokenness. You sink back in the things that you want to accomplish. You sink back in God-given goals when fear comes on the scene and all that fear happens from accumulation of all of the brokenness that you have encountered. I'll explain this just a little bit further. But in Psalm 34 and verse 4, here's what it says. I prayed to the Lord and he answered. And he, what did, what did he do? He, he answered and he what? Freed me of all my fears. Here's what we know, that this ultimate remedy is when we turn to God, 
that we can find restoration, we can step out of this place where we've been hiding, and we can move forward in the, the things, in this portrait of restoration, encounter the things that God is trying to reveal to us. We can push past the noise of the enemy. But I want to bring to your attention, though, four things that are happening in the lives of people today. Here we are, 2023, is taking place by all of the enemy's tactics and this thing called fear. I wrote in your notes, the exhausting life of fear. Here's one of the things that it does. If you don't get a handle on this, if you don't deal with it, you will get exhausted in life through the paralyzation of your potential. I, I talked about, you know, we lose those dreams, those opportunities. We come afraid. Paul Tornia, the Christian, famous Christian therapist, once said this. It's like all of us have reservoirs of full potential in life. Vast areas of great satisfaction like within us. But the roads that lead to those reservoirs are guarded by these dragons of fear. Like I have something contained inside of me, but because it's like fear sets in every time I try to step out and do something, I just kind of, I stay back. That's what he's talking about. He's saying this is an issue for humanity. When, when I was young, my very little, very little, uh, one Christmas, my parents got us a go-kart, me and my brother. It was a big deal. And we woke up that morning, we see this go-kart. Well, my parents had done something to the go-kart uh, before we actually got in it. They put something on the, uh, on the go-kart called a governor. Uh, if you know what a governor is on an engine, it's basically to keep this thing from going into speed that it could go. Uh, they, they did that, and man, that's so frustrating because, man, we really wanted to go, me, me and my brother. You have a spiritual adversary who wants to put a governor on your life to keep you confined, keep you held in, keep you taken down, keep you from making the encounters of your potential become real. This governor on your life limits your potential. It limits your effectiveness. It puts the brakes on everything you believed and once thought you could accomplish. It's fear. It's, it's staying back. This, this was the problem of the Israelites. If you remember, the Israelites are stuck 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and fear was the centerpiece to all of it. You can wander a lot of decades in your life consumed by fear. The disciples, after Jesus was crucified, they ran in fear. Famous text in John 20 and verse 19. The disciples, they were together behind these locked doors for fear of the Jewish authorities. The question here is, did the disciples have the doors locked from the inside or the outside? Well, it would have been the inside. And the truth is, for you and I, when fear sets in, it is self-imposed. We are locking up on the inside. In other words, it's a choice that you and I have to make. It's out there. It's a question of whether you choose this or not. It is a self-imposed prison. We'll talk about that in a second, but here's the second thing that happens when you and I are dealing with fear. It ruins relationships. Fear ruins relationships. We know that this old problem of humanity, of first of all, just trust in general, that Adam and Eve in the garden, are they going to trust God or not? Are they going to eat of the fruit of this tree or not? Are they going to trust God? We know that they eat of the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. And then it says that they were ashamed. And they put these little fig leaves on. Here's what it says in Genesis 3.10. I was afraid, Adam said, and I hid from you. 
a once beautiful intimacy that they would have had with the heavenly father is now lost because of sin, brokenness, and now fear. They're in hiding. And you and I, in our relationships, when fear sets in, we are not fully into that relationship the way we ought to be, you know, because we're covering up. Like, we're hiding things. We don't want, we wear masks in relationships. We don't want people to know what's really going on. We don't want people to know who we are, who we're not. We lie about who we are. We put on these grand facades. And where there is a lack of intimacy and honesty in any relationship, it will affect a marriage. It will affect a friendship, whatever it is. It's damaging to humanity's interest in connecting with one another when we are not honest with each other and we can't be honest. Why? Because of fear. What if they know the truth about me? I can't tell them the truth because that scares me to think what their response will be. And all over our community today, marriages, friendships got just a little bit or maybe a lot of hiding going on. Fear causes us to hide. It ruins relationships. I wrote this down. Fearful people cannot give love and they cannot receive love to the fullest. Fearful people can't make commitments. Fearful people won't allow themselves to be real. How many times have you heard, I'm afraid I might get hurt again? I'm afraid. Fear. The paralyzation of fear. Your fears affect everybody around you. Your fears influence everybody you relate to. At the beginning of this series, I read a note from a woman who said, you know what, this exhausting life that I feel like I'm living, I feel like one of the great problems I've got before me is that my children see it. And it's possible that I could live this life in such a chaotic way that I just pass this on to my children. Your fear affects your children, relationships, people around you in your life. Here's the, sec- or the third thing, it hinders happiness. Your fear will hinder happiness, Proverbs 12, 25. Worry can rob you of happiness. Yes. Psalm 55, verse 2. David says, I'm worn out by my worries. Have you ever been worn out by your worries? <laughs> I, I mentioned in week one, I talked about how, okay, there's physical muscle exhaustion from a long day. And that can be tiring, and we've all had those. But there is nothing more exhausting than mental, emotional, spiritual exhaustion. It will wipe you out. And it's the underlying thing going on in our culture today, this this thing that's playing behind the scenes that wears us out day in and day out. Fears, these fears uh, that we develop, they're like these these movies that are are bad movies and they're rewinding every day in, in our life, just like over and over again, playing out in our mind and they wear us down. And of course, because we're now miserable, in exhaustion and emptiness, we cannot be healthy for others around us. And so we're not happy. We miss the moment. Here's a great moment for me to be engaged with my family, to enjoy, to have joy with my family. But I can't feel like I can have that joy because I've got I've to worry a little bit more. And it takes away our happiness. And here's the fourth thing. It sabotages success. Job 3.25, Job says this. Everything I fear and dread comes true. What is Job saying here? He's saying, it feels like everything I dread and fear becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
It seems like if I fear something long enough, it just seems to happen. Have you ever said these words, I was afraid that would happen? It's almost like, you know, we kind of knew it was going to take place. I, I mentioned that uh, Christian therapist, Tornier, uh, earlier in my talk here, but he wrote a book called The Strong and the Weak, and he said in the book, fear creates what it fears. Right, you'll hear people say, I've got a fear of becoming just like my mother and father. And the more they fear becoming like their mother and father, he says it seems like they become more like their mother or their father. People that can't, that fear that they can't seem to ever keep a commitment become a people that ultimately, inevitably, can't seem to keep commitments. Uh, people that fear illness, they fear illness so much they become ill. Uh, he, wrote, he said this, people who, who fear growing old they grow old prematurely because of all their worry about growing old. The fear of disappointing someone, I don't want to disappoint them, ultimately causes you to be dishonest with who you are, and ultimately you disappoint the person you didn't want to disappoint. The fear of losing your spouse constantly and the way you treat that drives them away in life. The fear of poverty causes somebody to encounter poverty. Because they thought, well, I better take some risky investments so that I don't have to deal with poverty. And they make risky investments, they find themselves in poverty, or they find themselves in poverty in relationships because they didn't want to encounter money, monetary poverty, and so they spent all their life trying to gain money, but they had impoverished relationships. There's a sabotaging of our success. All of that that I just shared is exhausting. And it's running on background and humanity today. I fear, I've had bad encounters, I've had bad experiences, and so therefore I will not whatever fear. I wanna give you some antidotes. I feel like I've just vomited, and so I need to help you with something better. And so we're gonna give you that here in our time together. I'm gonna give you three antidotes. They're gonna be three words, and they're gonna seem kinda basic, but behind the scenes as I unpack this, you can see the real raw truth that I wanted to bring to your attention today because my goodness, like if you can get these three right, I don't ever want to give you stuff in our time together that you can't apply to your life. So these are simple, but if you will put them into action, they will be difference makers in your life when it comes to fear. And so I put this first one in your notes. It's this word truth. Truth is a great antidote to fear. The Bible says if you follow Jesus, you chase after Jesus Christ, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And one of the things the truth will set you free from is the lie of fear. Looking at some research the other day, and it said that babies are born into this world with two like inborn fears naturally right away. And so it was talking about the first one is they have a, they have a fear of, of falling or dropping. And so like a baby that just, you kind of do this to, it kind of, it freaks them out or you hold them up really high. It happens right away at a young age. It's there. It's like, it's already there. It's, and so they've, science has kind of said it's like a natural inborn fear in a child. The other one is uh, loud noises that, uh, that there's this inborn fear right away that the child, you know, it just cries if it hears a popping or something loud. It can't process it, so it's just fear. Uh, so it says those are the two only 
inborn fears that, that, that come in a child's life. Here's the good news. Kind of bad news, but good news. That means every other fear you've developed in your life came from life, just happening. It just got on you in life. And this is why this is good news, because if it got on you in life, that means you can get it off you in life. If you onboarded a fear at some point in your life, you can throw it overboard. But you've got to choose to do that. And one of the ways that you battle, combat these fears is you invest in truth over and over again. You dig into truth so much of what we've learned about life is not true. I do a podcast. I do it three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on at noon. I only do it for about 10 minutes called The Better Man Podcast. And the whole goal of the podcast is to help teach men the things that they should have learned when they were young as a child. So like the way God set it up is an earthly father invests in all things in the boy or the daughter and raises them up to become spiritually strong when they leave the home. And most men today in our culture never had that. They have no idea what it means to be a man of God. And so I just spend time on this podcast sharing these things so that, so that men can just kind of get some of the truth that maybe they lost when they were younger, didn't get at all. Now, if you didn't get that truth when you were growing up, there's two things that you're going to fill that vacuum with. Either God, you're going to read God's word and you're going to discover what a man should be, or you're going to get it from lies and other people. You're not, you're not gonna get truth. You know? So like for me, when I'm sharing on the podcast, I'm just giving these men what God's word says. I just wanna give them what, God, what the truth is about what a man should be. But at the end of the day, if you don't get it from God, you're gonna find yourself getting it from all these other dishonest sources. And so what we have in our culture today, just with men in general, is we have a lot of men who uh, have incorrect information about their life, made faulty assumptions, right? They're just not who they really authentically should be. Now, it's not just men, right? It, it's all of us. Every one of us, if we didn't get truth somewhere, we're going to start believing lies from our friends, maybe even from our parents. We're going to watch media, and we're going to get lies from media. We're going to interpret things in life in the wrong kind of way, and we start embracing those lies. How do we challenge those lies? We challenge them with truth. And in the face of truth, the lie can't stand. We focus on the reality, the truth in God's word, what God says about every situation, and we realize what really is worth being fearful and what really fearful of and what really is not. You know, there's the old acrostic on the word fear. Uh, it's false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That One of the great challenges that you and I face when it comes to fear is the fact that the truth is most of the things we fear aren't even worth fearing. You know the old data study that says 40 to 45% of all the things that we fear never are even gonna happen. And so they weren't worth having fears over. 30% of the fears that you and I fear are things that have happened from the past and you can't even change the past. And so they're not worth being fearful over. 12% of the things that we fear are related to our health and health situations and problems that we don't even have. And 10% of our fears are petty, and they're not worth having any fear over anyways. 
And so what the study says that maybe, maybe only about 5% or so of all the things that you fear, you should have feared anyways. And even those fears, we take and we challenge them with truth. The bottom line is most of the stuff we're dwelling on, fearing, running in the background, it's not truth. When we started this church, they told us, oh, man, let me tell you what happens here, buddy. You know, like you are making a major risk here if you're going to start this church because, cause, oh my, you know, uh, you, you, you got these great jobs, you and your wife. My wife had a master's. I had a really great job. You know, we, we great ch- income, you know, here. And they said, you're going to start a church or you're going to get nothing. You're crazy. Like, you, you know, you, that, you, you shouldn't do that. Like, it's risky for your family. And, and so you don't know what's going to happen. If you do this. And, then, and then people say, you know, by the way, most churches, well over 80% of churches, close within the first couple of years that start. So it's uh, odds are way against you, you know. And so for my wife and I, in order for this church to become reality, we had to push past the lies. We had to push past all the doubts. We had to push past all the fears. We had to bring them the truth. And we know that the truth would speak to us about why we were called to start this church, why we were here in the first place, that God had a plan all along, and we embraced that truth. Here we are 17 years ago, sitting in a church born out of truth in the face of fear. We applied truth, and our church is running and functioning today because we believed in truth. And that is a portrait of how you and I have to take these moments all the time in our life. I put this in your notes. There's, there's ways to get truth, of course, from God's word. And then there's ways to also get truth from people who want to bring you the truth of God's word. So we have a thing here at our church. We say right people, right place, right time. Is, that's where you want to be. You want to be in right people, right place, right time situations. And that means that sometimes we get wrong people, wrong place, wrong time. We get wrong people speaking into our, our lives. And so some of the lies that we encounter just come from people around us who do not know the truth about God. So I put this in your notes. You got a part of this is deciding if you want truth to remove the haters and the fakers and find the shakers. I call them the planet shakers. You know what the haters are, so I don't have to explain that. What are the fakers? These are people that operate in and out of truth or lies. They're, they're, they don't really, they're not really on board. You know, they present themselves as somebody who can give you wisdom but, or, or cares for your life, but at the end of the day, the advice may not be healthy. But the shakers are the planet shakers. These are the people who want the best for your life. They want to shake up for your life. They want a different path for your life. They want healthier for your life. And I want those voices around me in my life. And one of the ways that you, we've set up here at our church for you to encounter those voices is through our groups. This weekend, we are kicking them off. And yeah, it's opportunities, all kinds of them in our group's catalog, which you can get at the connect table on the way out there, the same place you take your all-in card, you can take that, and you can say, okay, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna take the all-in card, I'm gonna go get involved in groups as well. They got a catalog there to say, here's all the groups we're offering during the week. Just little gatherings of groups, kind of meeting at home. Some of them are fun, activity-based, but here's something interesting about groups that I know. If I'm sitting in one of my small groups and I gather around these people and I say in my group, I'm struggling with something, uh, I'm thinking about giving up, I'm thinking about throwing in the towel on something, I- I'm starting to believe this thing that you know, is not healthy for my life, instantly, right around, all those people in that group are going to start speaking truth to me. 
Pastor Gary, don't believe that. That's a lie. Pastor Gary, you need to know, like, this is what God says. Pastor Gary, you got to keep on going. That's a lie. You need to invade it. You need to go for the truth in your life. And they'll start pointing me to truth. And those are the kind of voices and settings that you should want to have where you're getting truth, not just from God's word, but people around you that know God's word. It's so valuable to the Christian journey. Here's the second thing in your notes. You, you have this antidote of love. Love. 1 John 4, 18 says, love contains no what? Fear. That's right. It seems so simple, yet it's clear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every practice of fear, for fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Love contains no fear. Fully developed love, it's expelling every bit of fear. And so it becomes then apparently incumbent on us to immerse in love. Now, there's two ways that you can do this as a believer that can deeply impact your fear factors. The first one is just simply immersing in God's love and his grace. Hear me very clearly by this text and other texts in the scriptures, the more you immerse in the love of God, the more fear subsides. It's just the truth, folks. And, and so what are we talking about? See, I'm about to talk about something. If you don't know about God's grace and God's love, you, this is gonna, you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. But for those of you that have encountered the forgiveness and the grace and the love of God for the sin that's been forgiven in your life and you've encountered that, it is a powerful thing. And, and this text is basically saying, sink in it, 247. The more you immerse in God's love and grace, the more fear subsides. Let me give you an example. Uh, before I came out here at, all the time, whenever I'm speaking, I could have potential thoughts of fear. Am I going to get this right? What are the people going to think? And what if I mess up? But then I take a little moment before I speak and I just immerse myself in love, God's love. God, I encounter your grace, your love, and all of a sudden, I just notice that the fears begin to subside. I start thinking about the fact that I love you and you love me and we're a happy family. That's Barney, so not that one. But I start thinking about love and I know all of a sudden this thing begins, it just subsides. And that's a small moment, 30 seconds of a snapshot of how in that immersion in God's love, fear can instantly just fade and go, go off further and further in the distance. Isaiah 54 and verse 4 says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Notice the connection between fear and guilt. The connection between fear, guilt, shame, regret. The text there is saying that what God is revealing to humanity is that this salvation through the gift of Jesus Christ brings forth a new level of love and grace that causes you and I to move past fears of our past and the mistakes that we've made. There's another antidote to love that I want to just bring to your attention before I give you this last fill-in. The other antidote to love is it's, it's, loving, it's loving others. And another, another part of this love solution is learning to love others. So when we're dealing with anger, all right, I can move against anger. When I'm dealing with, with, with fear, I, I, I can move away, I can try to move away from fear. But love requires you to move towards something. 
Love causes you to kind of get up off your fanny and care about something. And, and, and when we do that, and when we take that step of loving others, something very powerful takes place. Like we are willing in that moment when we start loving others to not think about our own fears. Think about it like this. If there was a, a mama outside of her house and the house was burning and she had a child inside, she may be dealing with a lot of fears in her life, but in a moment, you could potentially watch a mama run right through the flames, grab that child, and run right back out of the house. How is it possible that a mama could all of a sudden have that kind of courage for the child and run back out? Well, it's, it's love, right? She loves her child. And you see, in an instant, she can just abandon everything she once feared and say, I'm going. That's love. That's what love does. Love causes us to advance forward and then forget about our fears when we care and love about others. You see, when you're fearful, you're self-centered. I know, we, we don't like to t- say it. You just are. I'm worried about, I'm the, I'm not, I don't know if I can, I can, this is bothering, I'm not sure, I'm, I, 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 me. And when you get outside of yourself and direct love towards others, your fears subside because your self-centeredness subsides. Here's the third antidote to fear. It's faith. Faith. Ephesians 6, 16. Above all, be sure to take faith as your shield. The Bible says that faith works like a shield. For it can quench every burning, hurling, fireball missile that your adversary throws at you and I. I mentioned at the beginning, I said, your enemy throws daggers, hurls things at you very intentionally. And what is our deflector on that? It's faith. See, the job of the enemy is to put things out in front of you. He he can't force you. You have to choose. Okay, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to choose this for my life. And so his primary job is to just put temptation in front of you. I said that's how he works in our life. It's just simply through temptation. So if he can tempt you with fear or tempt you with bad decisions, he puts that out there. But how do we block that? It's always going to be by investing further and further in, in faith. Satan gives the idea, and then you just take your faith as a shield. See, fear expects the worst in every situation. Faith, though, expects the best. So how do we counter? We're investing in consistently with faith. Faith is, is an action step. It's more than just believing. I'm talking about actionable steps, right? Okay, you come to know Jesus Christ through belief in the work of the cross. You say yes to Jesus Christ. But then how do we continue to expand our faith? We take further and further steps. We don't just rest in, okay, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I rest in there and trust in. No, we continue. We just continue on, take steps in our spiritual journey. Why? Because we want to grow. We want to advance. If you sink in one position long enough, like you stop growing in your faith, you are positioning yourself for fear. Because you're staying stagnant, fear comes upon you more and more. So how do we combat fear? We continue to take faith steps. And it doesn't have to be giant steps all at once. Sometimes it can be little steps. So you look at the Israelites 
you, you know, they had the parting of the Red Sea, and then finally when they're crossing the Jordan and they're going to claim this land that God had promised, they had to go through the Jordan, and, and they needed the water to stop or part just kind of like the Red Sea did. And so, okay, God, are you going to do this or not? And so they, they, they took a step in. And then they took another step, and the water's coming up. It's coming up. They take another step. And the Bible records that, that God held up those waters so that they could cross over the Jordan. And it happened when they started taking little steps along the way. I'm not asking you to do a giant mammoth thing like right now in your spiritual journey, but sometimes it's just biting off little pieces of the cookies. Okay, a little bit at a time. Ultimately, I'm suggesting to you that stagnancy and your faith produces more fear. Psalm 56, though, in verse 3 says this. When I am afraid, here's what I'll do. I will put my confidence in God. Yes, I will trust the promises of God. Now, here's what we see when I just shared those three antidotes. The answer to fear, it's not a formula. The answer to fear, it's not a self-help book. The answer to fear is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brings us truth. Jesus Christ shows us what real love is. And Jesus Christ allows us to access a life of faith. If you're looking to deal with fear, it is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Some of you have Christ as your savior. And so I put something in your notes just right there. Okay, what is a thing that you need to push past? And what is a thing in your life that you need to move past and you've been fearful of? There's a lot of us will say, well, I'm not really, I'm not scared of nothing, Pastor Gary. You know, I'm a man or whatever. I'm not fearful of anything. Well, you're fearful to invest in your wife. You're fearful to invest in your family. Some of you are fearful to even lead a prayer at home. Uh, You're fearful to take faith steps in your spirit. I don't know what it looks like. Something at work's got you fearful. Something uh, in your life. I'm inviting you to take, fill in the blank. It's your own blank. It's personal for you. They're in your notes. Say, but because of Jesus Christ, I can face this fear head on right away, starting maybe for some of you this week. In just a second, the band's going to come out, and they're going to sing a song about fear and recognizing the truth about your identity and who you are in Christ. And you can maybe, as God is revealing through that song, you'll, you'll write maybe multiple things there where I gave you that fill-in. You should be listening to the words of that. But before they come out, I want to pray for you. God, I pray that you're revealing some truth to us today about who we are, about whose we are, about, God, the life that you have in store for all who believe. There are so many causes to the brokenness we're encountering, but fear, Lord, we see as one of the key ones. God, I'm inviting believers right now to start knowing the truth. God, through your word, some have vacated that opportunity to hear your voice through the word. Others here in the room, they've they've never started seeking your word, your truth. They, They may have wronged people around them. God, they're just ready to sink into truth. There are other believers here that, you just need to take some time. Maybe as this song goes, you're just re-immersing in the, that, that, that love and that grace and that forgiveness, not just for what God has done for you, but your ability to care for others. Maybe 
God is revealing something about some faith steps. At the end of the day, this battle against fear is winnable for those who have the power of God in their life. If you're here this morning, you do not have the power of Jesus Christ in your life, I want to give you an opportunity right now to just say, God, I am ready to take that step. It's just a step of faith. It's an action step that says, God, I am ready to encounter you in my life. I've been fearing, I've been doubting, I've been missing, missing the mark of the choices and the decisions I've made, taking me away from you, God. God, I'm ready to say I made those decisions that have left me in a mess, but I'm ready to turn to you, God, for the forgiveness of sin. God, I'm ready to begin that journey through the gift of Jesus Christ, a faith step. In that time, God will reveal truth. And in that journey, God will reveal how you and I can love and feel love and how we can ultimately live a life of faith. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, the band's going to sing and I'll head off. Go ahead, guys.
Hello. 